0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mike Horns Hornsvolding. Now this time we've just released our biggest ever athletic clothing range. And this range is my favourite we've ever done. We've put so much time and effort into this to making sure it's just spot on. So we've gone for a nice clean golden black look across the whole range. We've got some specialist compression wear. So we've got compression rash guard, compression leggings, compression shorts. We've got a nice compression leggings and sports bra set for the women. And then we've also got some nice t-shirts that you can wear in and out of the gym. So we've got our bind room tee and a nice distressed look. We've got a horns t-shirt. We've got an oversized bind room t-shirt, which is probably my favorite item out of the whole range. See so just go and check that out. It's really, really nice. Uh, we've got some women's only t-shirts. We've got some athletic shorts, we've got jogging pants. Honestly, we have hit everything with this range and we've put it all out there. So go over to the website, hornsvoting.com, use the code horns 10 to so listen to the podcast, get a discount 10% of anything off the website. So that's not just the athletic wear, you get anything off of the horns, the mead, any other clothing, the jewellery, you name it, you're going to get 10% off. So just use the code horns 10 listen to the podcast, get that. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co of the company Hornsburden, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik.
1: Hello, everybody. Um, this time, we are once again joined by Ed Gamester, who will be telling us about his new TV show, which is called Ragnarok, and is part of a series uh, called Mythos, and it's of course about mythology and this one would be about Norse mythology or Nordic mythology. Um so welcome to the show Ed. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me back yet again. Um you know what they say? Fourth time lucky right <laughs> is that <laughs> what they say? No. No one ever said that. You went to cap out at three and then quit while you're ahead.
0: Just to jump in. the the show's not a tv show is it? It's uh
1: No It's no. a live
0: performance show. <laughs> what, what does is that mean opinion?
1: exactly? Does that not go on screens, or how does it?
2: I mean, you. uh, I'm going to film it, so you can watch it on a screen. But it's a piece of live theatre, and that's kind of integral to the whole thing because um, I have never seen anybody do live theatre this way before.
0: I'm looking forward to whatever comes out of your mind. I mean, people who've listened to you now for three episodes, when you're let free to do your own. Show that you've written, put together, and pretty much just single-handedly created. I guess um, I I can't imagine how insane that yeah. might be. Well, you know how people say they said it it it
2: couldn't be done. Well, uh, <laughs> in this case, they they just said it shouldn't be done, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I decided to do it anyway. Um, and when they said two months isn't really long enough to do this. Um, I simply took so long to sign the paperwork that I now only have four weeks (laughs) instead. (laughs) (laughs) So I've made it uh, twice as difficult to do. Um, But it's going to be done. At least I've invested all my life savings into renting a theater for the day. So if it doesn't happen, um, well. But um, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be cool. Um, uh, Yeah, people have... Yeah, this is the fourth time I've been here. I guess that means people have listened to us talk about stuff for nigh on five hours, four and a half, five hours by this point. We the whole of the have
0: yeah, we got through all of Havamal, and now, now you're on your own to talk about something else.
2: Yeah. Well, to be fair, the, the talking about Havamal, um, to, in, to an extent, was part of the inspiration for the show because actually discussing the poem and having Matthias read it out, um, and kind of like you're doing it after the show, reading poetry and reading myths and actually doing them to an extent the way they were meant to be done obviously i'm not doing anything in original languages or uh it's original tempo or whatever but actually telling a story getting up on a stage and telling um a mythological story or a classical story uh is is part of the show i wanted to to try and bring that to life and 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 do that in a contemporary way so instead of just get up and, and and tell poetry i wanted to to do it in a modern context with a retelling of a of a classical story and then combine um, a collection of modern day things like theater obviously theater hasn't been done before um but like <laughs> modern theater um and obviously as, as you guys know um professional wrestling which is something i've done for 20 years um but never in this context because uh, Yes I figured that would be a good way to get the inherent violence across but in a, a theatrical way. Um yeah.
0: Yeah no I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing it. Um Matthias one thing I I think just came to my mind is this how would these stories have been performed originally? I guess they were meant to be at least some sort of performance maybe not to the extent of professional wrestling but I imagine they were, it wasn't just somebody sat talking there would be some theatrics or at least kind of moving about yeah i mean I, I think it it
1: it probably depends on the type of story and the setting the the conditions for 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 relaying the information and all that stuff um but we could be very 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 certain that um we would have like a setting where there would be at least one performer uh maybe more um when we look at the um, what's, what's it called? The the, the primary manuscript on epic poetry, the Codex Regius from 1270. There are little marginal notations that indicate when somebody is speaking in some of the poems, um, which which suggests, of course, that um, there's at least a couple of uh, performers involved. I think, and and I mean that's you could also consider um maybe moving around in a room or in an open space of some kind like so now uh the hero rides to the forest and then some guy goes with a pair of coconuts of course click 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 click, click.
0: <laughs> that just reminds me of monty python
1: <laughs> yeah well that's that's the general reference here <laughs> african swallows and all that stuff um <laughs> And and so it's like that would be part of the scenario um, for for performance. Um, could we maybe consider a situation where like battles were fought and played out and all that stuff? Yeah, why not? Of course, you know the Icelanders. They seem to have been a little thin skinned when it comes to these kinds of things. This one saga uh, where this guy. Um, hits the other guy over the head with a spoon. And that turns into like a you know multi-generational family feud and all that stuff. And I'm like, really guys? Really? He couldn't have settled that right there on the boat instead of that bullshit. Um, so when the Icelanders were but did that um you know prone to um just trying to kill each other over over minor things. Um, maybe we, we we may discount the situation of like playing out, you know, battles and that kind of stuff because if somebody, you know, did something wrong, then all of a sudden we have all of these views But maybe you know, in other social settings where people weren't that, um, you know, <laughs> easily upset. Easily upset. Oops. That's the way to put it. This is,
2: this is good to know. <laughs> <laughs> this is good to know because um, the the show I'm doing is it's in the only theatre in London that was purpose-built in the round. Um, and what in the round means, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is that normally you have a, a stage and the audience is sort of in front of the stage. Um, when a theatre is in the round, it means the stage is in the middle and the audience is all the way around it, which changes the way that you do all kinds of theatre um it works really well for wrestling stuff because you can see the action from all kinds of angles but we're used to performing in the round because of the wrestling ring <clears throat> um but what it, it means is you can incorporate the movement of the theater a little bit more because you're moving over to one side of the audience or another side um and you you genuinely get closer and further away to people um you can kind of enter this the the uh, the stage from one of four different sides instead of just coming on left and right you can come out right between people from one corner you can walk through the crowd to get to the stage which adds just like an intimacy to the theater which i think will work really well for like the the weaving of myths and bringing people into a different world so knowing that perhaps you know there were there were elements of actually moving around incorporated in old the theater is cool and obviously the playing out of battle scenes um, is very exciting to me because what my show is, is, is a combination of, of storytelling, which is telling a story to the audience, uh, theater, which is telling a story on the stage to one another, the actors, and then the fighting element, um, because there are key battles throughout Norse mythology that I wanted to, to try and bring to life within the context of, of wrestling. So... Um, to know that there'd have be been battles and, and movements around the place traditionally is cool because we can we can do a sort of a nod to that, uh, but without doing it in a like a like a recreation battle way, you know, where people just kind of hold the shield and the spear and kind of poke at each other for just so long, because that seems to be how it was fought, uh, with no consideration to whether or not anyone wants to watch that happen. Uh, the answer <laughs> being no, nobody wants to watch that happen, never. <laughs> so, but, but it happens people do it and uh, people go and watch it and then they leave
1: and have a beer are you referring to viking markets here <laughs> <laughs> oh, no like we, let's let's gather a thousand people from all over europe in viking outfits and then have them stand around with, behind a shield and then Poke at
0: each other. other. (laughs) And
1: they have to
0: fall down when
2: they get poked twice. Um, And everybody
0: watching gets really cold. Yeah, it gets so
2: cold, right? It happens every year at Jorvik. Oh, my God. Do you remember that time that me and Sean Parry accidentally broke in and led the the funeral procession for (laughs) Eric (laughs) Bloodaxe? We got annoyed because they offered that we, they said that because we're celebrities, we could hold uh, flaming torches in this procession. And then because we're kind of lazy and disorganized, they gave away all the flaming torches before we got there. So in protest, we just like marched in uh, and joined the procession uh, at, the, uh, <laughs> at the end. And we didn't know because obviously we're not in the show that halfway through the procession, it stops and splits in half and goes back around the other way. So suddenly, Sean and I, who just joined the, bo- the back of this procession, were now leading the whole funeral procession <laughs> of Jordan, all the way around the outside until we met up with the lead actors at the front. And then, the tippity-tappity battle happened, and we were, we were spared our embarrassment by a lot of other people embarrassing themselves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just to clarify, there's, there, there, <laughs> there's, a, there's a time and a place for the tippity-tappity battle obviously if you're trying to recreate or show people how people would fight in the day then absolutely i'm super into it and i'm very fascinated and with no doubt i would be on the losing end of anyone tippity tapping me um
1: that's that's fair that's fair i guess i get it i uh, just uh, uh one uh one little detail about this there are place names in uh in scandinavia that have uh the compound laker in them uh which means clay and back then that would refer to a lot of like different activities you know it could be play fighting it could be rituals it could be performance and so on so so there's something that that uh, to to this idea of like you know an open open air scene um yeah. where where people are standing around it um i think they also uh, used those sites for like goading to uh stallions against each other until they die of exhaustion so that's wow. all sort of thing yeah
2: like um, nordic cockfighting
1: nordic cockfighting with the stallions instead i guess so what sort of role did ritual combat have because
2: something that i find interesting as a a wrestler so someone who does what is considered to be fake fighting um and um, the, w- the way I'm trying to bring it into my show is in a ritualistic context. So the original show I did was mainly just a fighting show. And the idea was that we would, for lack of a better word, dress up as gods. But the idea is we would adorn ourselves to represent a god. And then by going out and performing, we were essentially part of a ritual to invoke or at least to honor a deity. And then we just beat the shit out of some other deity and, you know, that was a way of honoring
1: them as war gods. Please, please tell me, please tell me that you have dressed up as Frere with a giant phallus in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) If not, please tell me that you will use this particular situation right now as inspiration for future endeavors of that kind i, I see that i inspired you with uh, <laughs>
2: my my cockfighting references <laughs> you know what no that is see that is exactly what i what i want to do i to to try and bring gods and myths to life in ways that people haven't considered so yeah having Frey fighting with some enormous dong swinging around or using it as a cudgel i think would,
1: would be great yeah. Um you could always you could always you know to keep it more in check you can always like tie it to with a string to your neck so that it's not like you know all over the place all the time and of course you must have a giant twirly mustache too if we're going to go by the um yes well
2: i have a i have a, a couple of excellent people who um i put in the show to play as Frey. um in this particular show basically basically i am too poor to uh, employ very many people so my show is quite <laughs> limited and what that has meant is i've sort of like combined gods together uh and kind of changed some stuff so in the show we have freya but she's kind of a combination of frey and freya so she has some of both their characteristics she has the boar and the ship uh, and the magical sword um, and her brother is instead Balder because he's like a golden god and she's a golden god. Uh, rather than having Frey and Frey at the same time, I, I just didn't have enough people to do everything, but also I wanted to just mix it up, keep it simple. Instead of having dozens of gods and characters, just keep it, uh, condense the myths to to a handful of different gods so that people can keep track of who's going on and doing what, rather than having just tons of giants and gods and all descending and no one really knowing what's going on. I think that's so
0: that's probably a really good idea because you get especially if, if if you've got people there who aren't deep into this this world, it can get a little bit confusing. I know when I first kind of started reading these uh, sagas, um it was because de- you get people with similar names as well, like Freya and Freya, like they're very similar. So if you don't know, you can all really easily get confused. So keeping so it nice easily. and simple is uh is not a bad thing.
2: Well, put it this way. Uh, I have a pretty decent filter for this, which is that if I understand what's going on, then I'm pretty sure everyone else does because I am an idiot. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of the whole thing has been sense checked. You know, if Ed gets it, then we're okay.
0: <laughs> I cannot wait to see to see this show. Uh, It'll be interesting.
2: And to an extent, I hope it, it ruffles some feathers. I mean, obviously, I hope it ruffles some feathers. I'm basically a professional feather ruffler. Um, but even my portrayal of the monsters, I, which I hope will annoy some people who have a have a very fixed view of how it needs to be. Um, so one of my favorite aspects of the show for example is the children of Loki <clears throat> instead of being actual monsters like a snake that envelops the world and, and, a, and a wolf that is somehow so big that it can be chained up but also literally eat the entire earth with its mouth um, I've made them people because they're loki's children and the idea is that the reason they are portrayed as monsters is because the gods and the people in control of history and the story hate them and want to demonize them and don't want to talk about uh, um a berserker as being an actual man who beat the crap out of them no he was a wolf the size of a castle and um you know hella it was oh she was this foul half dead creature that we just banished because she was already as much dead as she was alive is actually just like a, a perfectly normal person who just happened to fall on the wrong side of history so i wanted to try and portray that in part because i think that's an interesting way of looking at two rival clans and the creation of historical uh stories also because i didn't have a giant wolf uh, <laughs> or a serpent uh, in my show, so I, I had to kind of—I didn't want to dress a dude up as a wolf because I'm not making the Lion King here, man. Like, I,
0: I think the first point was was excellent, and you didn't have to—you yeah, didn't, didn't have to <laughs> pull back the the curtain with point two. Of oh, <laughs> a... course
2: Otherwise, people would be like, "What? It Sounds artistic." No, no, <laughs> it's, it's just me being like, "Oh God."
0: <laughs> sounds like he knows wh- what he's, he's doing. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: no. <laughs> All right, so. You've touched on the, I guess, the premise a little bit with what you were saying about Loki's children. And we spoke about it before the show quite a bit. And I think it's a really cool idea that you've kind of stepped away from the whole monster type idea of what Ragnarok is. You know, you've got a few monsters thrown in there and you've brought it back very much to humans and humanity, Mm. which by the sounds of it could be for financial reasons but I thought it was a really interesting take on this story. So I'm going to go with that one, that it was a very clever insight by you. Uh,
2: I mean, to do myself justice, I came up with the idea before it occurred to me that the alternative would be somehow creating a vast wolf. Um, I much preferred the idea of it being people. Because drawing on our, our theme of the podcast is that what i enjoy most about the 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 norse mythology is the interactions of the people like i'm i'm interested in the cosmological element um i like ice giants and i like you know fire giants riding over the bifrost to burn the world um and i like um emir and the whole world being made out of him and you know giant cows and everything else but what I find interesting about the creation and destruction of the Nordic universe is the human interactions. And what I find interesting about Ragnarok is the fact that the gods, I mean, they bring it on themselves, and I suppose in part because it's it's foretold and fated, so there's nothing you can do about it. But they also don't really try very hard to avoid it, which I have always really enjoyed. It's very much um, puts me in the mind of knowing your destiny and just doing it. like. Not trying to spend your life running away from what you know is foretold or what your destiny is, and just getting on with it, and you know riding out to to fight the giants and the the children of Loki, knowing that you cannot win that it 's foretold that you 're not but instead of just scurrying off, still riding out and still having those those battles and those fights is for me probably the most motivating thing I took from. The Nordic mythology, which is not to be afraid of anything, even if you know your your demise is imminent, to ride out and face it like a freaking badass, because everyone dies. This mm-hmm. is this is what has basically been the foundation of of my whole life, um, and a foundation of a lot of the guild as well. I'd be lying if I said I didn't just steal a lot of it <laughs> from the north, <laughs> from the north. Um, and so what I'm getting at here is is this the the key story behind my show isn't about flaming giants um burning the world and massive monsters rising up from the deep it's about the fact that the gods created the world and then sort of systematically watched or let it fall to pieces because of their own relationships with one another like they invite loki in despite knowing he's a trickster god and then continually are annoyed with him for being a trickster god but they also know he's going to be their demise but they don't get rid of him they keep him there and they know that they're going to chain him up and he's going to break free but they can chain him up anyway um like the interactions between odin and loki and someone who brings somebody into their tribe knowing that this is going to be a troublemaker not just getting a bad feeling in his waters but knowing that it's written there's a freaking poem there's a seeress that says this guy isn't just going to be your death and the death of your children and everyone else he's going to cause the death of the whole world but odin still brings him into the family and gives him a chance knowing that he will forego that chance but equally loki himself i'm sure this is something everyone who reads in mythology gets that is loki he's a bit of a dick obviously but a lot of the time he is treated pretty badly by the other gods and you can almost and what i'm trying to do in my show is almost see it from his point of view and like would you not want to screw these guys over by the end of it by the time you're chained to a rock with a snake spitting in your face by that point have you maybe not had enough um you've you've built the walls of asgard albeit by trickery but you got it done you've (laughs) given the gods all the weapons that set them apart from the mortals again albeit because you had to do it because you shaved off thor's wife's hair but nevertheless you've kind of consistently showed up for the gods and given them the things that set them apart from mortals and yet when the shit hits the fan who's the guy that gets get gets uh kicked out and chained under the world and left to rot under there. Yeah, I mean, he kills Balder, um, which is a a dick move, to be fair. But by that point, like, what have the gods done? They've thrown one of his sons into the sea? They've chained one of them up underground forever and banished his daughter to the underworld. So, I mean, killing Balder seems like, well, that's one of three, like one of the other two revenges. So I think there's a lot of
1: ways. And also, let's just be fair here. I mean they're in a situation where they're all standing around just throwing weapons at Boulder.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, <So. laughs> that's a good point. The, <laughs> the, the, like, yeah, they are kind of just throwing <laughs> everything, including yeah. the kitchen and Sink <laughs> game.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, that that myth specifically, so everything in my show I've tried to draw on mythology and give a nod to it and never take the piss, just changed little details here and there to tell a different version and obviously the death of balder has to feature because without that there is no ragnarok um but i've tried to do that differently as well i didn't just want it to be like oh, Balder's invincible let's chuck stuff at him and then the blind guy chucks mistletoe um i mean i don't want to give too much away so if anyone is planning to come to my show and doesn't want to know little little spoilers stop listening but what happens in this in my version of the show, is that Balder is invincible because every living thing has said, We won't harm you. But after the gods th- like chain up and throw away Loki's kids one by one, and they send hell to the underworld. Now, in my show, they kill hell. That's how she gets the underworld. There's Banisher, boom, they kill her dead. So when Loki's. It makes a lot more in,
1: sense, actually.
2: Yeah. Well, I always yeah. sort of seen it as that, as like a metaphor. You know they, they 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 chuck this one kid in the sea and so on. I always saw it as sort of a metaphor. Well, I mean, so so
1: honestly, the the, the myth about that happening is also very much Snurry trying to make Odin look like an like God, All Father. Mm. It's like now mm. All Father took the the primordial snake and chucked it into the deep sea, and it's like that Huff, sounds awfully away. familiar from the Bible, my friend. Mm. So yeah, yeah, that's well uh, that's it.
2: That, this is cool. And what I, Again, I don't, I don't talk about my show a lot, but I guess that's why I'm here. What I try and do in the show is at the beginning of the show, you have Odin. And Odin sets out to make his clan the best. And then the Vanir turn up, and he has to fucking deal with the Vanir. And when they collaborate, then they have to deal with the giants. By the time they've defeated the giants and the Varna and the primordial forces, they have decided that they are gods. They're not. They're just dudes. But they've got a bunch of magical weapons. Bald has become invincible. Um, They've defeated the giants. They've decided they're gods. So just like you said, by the time that the kids turn up, all of a sudden, they feel like they can judge those kids because they are now gods. And these kids of Loki are not worthy to be part of the gods. Like What have they done? Whatever. So they're they're people. So they get banished the same way and Hela gets killed. And so when Loki turns up in the, the flighting of Loki, that kind of myth, where he rocks up and he starts just ripping on each of the gods and then eventually... Balder or Thor, Thor will be like, look, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to use Balder. He's invincible. And Loki's like, cool, cool. Well, I get a partner too. Guess who he brings to be his partner? So it's his daughter. Now there's one fucking person that can kill Baldur, because Baldur is invincible to living things, but he's not invincible to dead things. And so the very same person he killed earlier for not being worthy will now come back. And now we have a fight. Now we have an invincible God who can only be killed by Uh, uh, who can not be killed by living things, having to fight for his life against someone who's dead because he had her killed. That, to me, is the human
1: story of Ragnarok. I like it. I like this uh, reinterpretation. (laughs) I say the uh...
2: human story, and there's literally a zombie (laughs) in that scene. But uh, the point being, it's a story of retribution, and it's a story of almost karmic um, revelations of of creating, of having to live in the bed that you made, which is what Ragnarok is. It's the gods messing with people and messing with each other until it's all just combined into one shit heap and there's no way out. But because they're the gods, they don't run. They're like, oh, we're fucked up. Let's do this. And then we have the biggest fucking wrestling match of all time.
0: <laughs> there we go. That's what that's what we're all there to see. Of course. Of course. But, I mean, Matthias, I know Ed's kind of putting together this story, but if you... Ragnarok is naturally filled with monsters and myth and mythical things happening. But if you stripped it all back to its core, could it be just a story of humanity that's been pumped up over generations and generations and generations and added to and changed and, and the people have been lifted to, to godlike standard? Maybe the death of Baldur was the clash of two clans and what the favorite son was killed. And that's what triggered off this whole cycle of destruction between two, two families, I guess that that maybe to them felt like the end of the world, because again, obviously we're talking about people who don't, you know, they know that areas outside of Scandinavia, I guess exist, but very much their localized area is their whole world.
1: Um, So there's a, there's a couple of things to consider. Um, first of all stories about the end of the world are ancient and present in pretty much any mythology on the planet people have always had a concept of like oh the world's gonna end and sometimes those ideas are are formed in in actual experiences of natural disasters um or wars and and those kinds of things. So so it's very likely um, that part of the stories of Ragnarok has something to do with real life experiences at one point. The thing about it is, of course, that it's entirely impossible to pinpoint it to a location or to a group. There's definitely some aspect of, of, of some social, I would call it, social reality behind it um in the story about how the meat of poetry is created right it begins right after the Icy and vania have um um had their first war of the world is so that that's in the the time from creation to destruction uh the first the the, the 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 cultural invention of war is the meeting between the Icy and the vani and what do they do they settle a truce and then they all come together to spit in a giant tub which is you know totally meaningful (laughs) if you're you know know, doing primitive fermenting um primitive primitive fermenting processes include or can include using spittle uh, and chew, chew plant material so so that that's really interesting because what does that mean? It means oh, we have the first war of the world. These two clans, they clash. And what do they do? They then sit down and invent alcohol. And from that comes poetry as well. right? So mm. so cultural things and, and inspirational things and so on get drawn together. And um, so what about Ragnarok? Well, that's where two clans again clash. And the whole thing falls apart yahnar and Isia, or the gods with davania included right um they clash and uh have to settle some kind of uh um imbalance that has been created over time in the cosmos that's at least how we can read it from the source material whether well, people actually believed this back in like 900 and something we don't really know um but that's how it. That's how it's been recorded in in the material. That that there's there, you know, uh, design flaws, right?
0: Mm. Um, it, it seems as though it's pitched as almost a good versus evil kind of story. But oh, I've always seen it. it's like the yacht, the yacht, uh, and the kind of like the dead. They, they seem to be almost put down. Like the, the giants always seem to be getting smashed by Thor, and I. I I don't think they ever really do much wrong, I guess. But it seems to maybe it's like a if it's well, not they're absolute, absolute dicks, man. They're, they're total dicks. I feel like the gods are a di- gods are dicks too. So, well, uh, one of the main codes
1: of uh, of of uh, of, uh, of code of uh, moral codes of of uh, presumably pre-Christian religion, right, is that. Um, if a stranger comes to your door, and we have been through this already, right? Because we had drunken Odin show up, right? What do you do with that stranger? Will you make sure that he gets like a place by the fire, a nice little towel and, you know, something to eat and so on? Especially if he's drunk, you want to, you know, (laughs) calm him down a little bit. Keep him away from your wife. Exactly. So so what happens when when Thor goes to Gerrida, for instance? the first thing that happens is that one of his daughters tries to drown him in her piss or menstrual blood. The other one tries to smash him against the roof. And then Gerrida shows up and throws a molten rock in his face. That's not particularly hospitable, right? So he has to regulate, regulate that situation.
0: Don't forget that this guy is known as the giant slayer. His, his job, his pretty much his job and sole purpose is to kill giants. So no wonder they're a little bit like, dude, fuck off. We're not, we're not having you in our house. Aren't you the guy <laughs> from the Red Wedding? Yeah. <laughs> right. I, uh, it feels like, but to put it into like a human context, I guess it feels almost like the, the giants maybe are a race or a group of people who were kind of pushed down for some reason. Maybe they were different and uh, put to one side.
1: If you look at the 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 meanings of the names that these giants typically have, they are generally associated with natural features or processes in uh, the natural landscape around you. Um for instance, means clearing of, of 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 woods or something like that. Okay. Um and uh and um means brawler or Psychopath or something like that. Like there's a few people in in historically in in the Icelandic uh, literature that have had the, the the name kronir like Thorstein kronir and it's like that that signals that's the guy you don't want to mess with at the bar. We know that guy, right? We know that guy at the pub, right? Yeah, that's just the guy you avoid unless you want to fight, right? Dan. Damn yeah, for <laughs> bring me into this.
0: <laughs>
1: so and, and 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 what is the story all about? Well, you know, there's a bunch of stone and rock and all those kinds of things involved in in the entire story about Kronir Like his his head explodes in, in rocks and shit, and his heart is made of rocks, and his 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 weapon is a stone, and his shield is made of stone, and Stone, 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 right? So natural phenomenon. I mean the place where they fight is called Kryotunakarta, right? So so the easy the, for you to say. Yes. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Which is like uh it, it means like the 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 rubble farm or the the, the um you know the farm full of stones. So <laughs> that has everything to do with stones too. And and that's that's what we see with most of these. These giants, their names have something to do with natural features, right? So if we look at what are the gods doing when they're, um, uh, they're messing around with these giants, well, they're regulating natural features. So, um, no, I, like, I like landscaping better. They're, running, they're walking around with those leaf blowers. and <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you think maybe then the deaths at the hand of the, the giants or the attacks and maybe people getting into trouble in natural areas, I guess, maybe like you said, we thought almost been drowned, maybe not in piss, but in a lake or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of elements to it. Like one element is definitely the very Christianized part of the story that has to do with like the gods need to be killed off because Christ has to happen. Um, that's, that's, you know, the context in which this story exists today, thanks to those medieval writers. The situation it could also be that the story is expressing uh, maybe some fears about, uh, say, in the natural world, overtaking, right, in different ways. Um, the the idea that, um, you know, this... So there's something going on in the... I'm might gonna might have to break some hearts here, but it's possible that that fucking world serpent never existed.
0: <gasps>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because the references to it in that situation where you know Thor is fighting it in the original poem is could be the wolf. It's very ambiguous. Is that true with... Um, oh,
2: God. Now, let's stretch the old knowledge here. Um, there's There are a few other wolves. There's like Freki and Gary and so on and so forth. There's a lot of wolves, right? There's just a lot of wolf stuff going on in Ragnarok. Um, what I'm getting at here is, is it possible that Fenrir, the massive wolf, is also these other wolves, not necessarily the ones chasing the the, the planets? Um and also, like you said, Jormungandr and the World Serpent, they're all pretty much just the same
1: astrological, crazy, massive wolf via different names. So, so going back to dick jokes, Jormungandr means the giant staff. Ooh. FYI. <laughs> Interesting. And And that seems to be a quite old concept. And it could be a reference to... Um, It could also mean something like the the giant spirit, the spirit of the world, or maybe the world tree or the central pillar or something like that. If we go by by those interpretations that suggest that there is that focal point of some kind of language. Language is amazing, right? It's either the world tree or a massive cock
2: or a snake or (laughs) someone with the staff. It's something like that. But either way, it's gonna rise up and eat us all.
1: Exactly. Um so 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 the, the thing is that that there's something happening in the the transmission from from whatever mythology these people believed in before they converted to Christianity, then some Christian um Synthesizing and remixing and so on, and then Snørrisdóttirsson like fully DJing on that beat, right? I like that. That's a great analogy, right? Right? Yeah. So 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 oh. so so uh, uh, idea that Hell is like the daughter of Loki and all that stuff—that's stuff that he comes up with. That's not that's not original. Hell is like an ancient goddess that has always been around. Um, Jormungandr as, as that giant staff or spirit of the world is its own thing, right? Uh, there are some kennings in scholarly poetry that actually seem to suggest that it's like the spirit of the water as well and, or something like that. Um, well, Loki, Loki really... I mean, it's pretty far-fetched that Loki gave
2: birth to a world-circling snake, but Loki giving birth to the spirit of water itself or is that just the idea like the whole idea of these things being children of loki like if loki is representative of chaotic forces in general then it would make sense that like the kin of loki would be tsunami and wildfire and other cataclysmic events that ed sure yeah put in his show
1: yeah because i like that i like that idea and 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 the image of the wolf that comes and and destroys things, right? That's a symbol of chaos. The wolf is chaos in and of itself. So those two wolves that are chasing around the celestial bodies, they they they're the chaotic dark forces um, um, that have to be there to to complement the life giving uh, sun that kind of stuff. Gary and Freki again. That's Nardestudulsson inventing shit. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty uh straightforward in the poem Grimnismau, where we get the that's the original source to both Hugin and Moonin and Gary and Freiki, right? And it's not ravens as not wolves in the poem. It's references to Odin getting drunk um and drunk on war. And feeding uh, the war beasts, that's what it's all about. Philvitne is is a, is a reference in that poem too. Thyodovitny means literally the destroyer of people, right and and that's that's what's going on uh, in in the poem. And then you have Snurri, who's like, "No, no, no, we need a cartoon-like uh, uh, king." Who sits on a throne with two ravens on his shoulders and two wolves next to him. And that has been appealing to the uh, Also Bros ever since. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Interesting. Hmm. I would
2: have to really cancel the ravens for the
1: show. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Keep the ravens. There are plenty of, of other legitimate Earth, ravens. I, in there. I can't afford any
2: ravens. They're just pigeons honest. painted black. Oh. <laughs> they're not even pigeons, they're cats. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they With also wings.
1: Yeah, I just <laughs> stuck
2: some wings on them and I throw them on
0: it.
2: <laughs> oh, ow. Do it.
0: <sighs> oh, but no, so, so, so you know, I
1: think it's a great rethinking that you're doing here because the, we need to rethink the mythological material and come up with better ways to 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 work with it in mm-hmm. general um did that back in 1200 and something and then people have been like oh that's got to be the real deal that is the long well, that's kind <laughs> of that's kind of a large part of what I want. I'm trying
2: to do a lot. I'm trying, let's be honest, I'm trying to do too much with this show in too short a period of time. But one of the things I wanted to do was explore the idea of retelling and recreating the myths in a way that makes sense in a modern context, like a human context. Um, but also because people have become so freaking obsessed with the exact details of like which of Odin's eyes this and which flipping. Uh, raven vat and witch wolf this that they've almost lost the entire point of these stories and yeah. they they're, they're certainly lost the point of the stories that, that got me into them when i was a kid and it's i'm sure you guys are the same and many people listening to this podcast would have come to this young and been inspired by these things whilst young and have watched as the world has suddenly caught up to them and has now taken over them and all of a sudden they're in marvel movies and they're on facebook groups and everyone is arguing about nonsense to do with them and i would really much rather be part of um, a group of people that is taking the heart of it and trying to move it forward to be like okay let's uh let's leave the Asa bros behind and let's leave all of this like infighting and nonsense and actually look at what is is inspiring about these stories and try to retell it in in a whole different way and if that ruffles a bunch of feathers because people are like Bleh! baldur wasn't a son of this he was a son of that and freya wasn't this then who cares like good stay behind stay over there stay pretending that Snouri is like the original viking myth because anyone who <laughs> ever read it from the beginning knows that's bullshit anyway so we're going to carry on retelling them and carry on like doing our own versions and if that winds people up then great because like that's how I came to it in the first place. I like getting wound up about things. It's how art gets created. And so if I can wind other people up, then cool. Maybe they'll create some art to like slap me back where I belong and so on and so forth. So, man, it's really cool to to hear how ambiguous all of this is. Uh, in the first place and to hear how how many different variations there can be of things that people already assume is is you take for granted there's a world serpent and there's a fenris wolf and if you can say well maybe there's actually not even those things then why are we arguing about any of it let's just tell mm-hmm. cool stories and most importantly of all let's watch some professional wrestling done in a theatrical context <laughs> 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 obviously we'll, we'll
1: put it put a link in
2: for the tickets <laughs> You better move quick. They're, they're selling like hotcakes.
0: Good.
1: Good. I'm fully, I fully support that uh, the very eloquent rant right there. Um, no. it, I, feel like, it. I feel I, like I, you did it even better than I could. Um, I'm printing some posters tomorrow and it's going to
2: say, Approved by Dr. Meyers' Nordwick. <laughs> the very top academic. I'm going to list all your qualifications.
1: Can you, um, can you put a picture with me in there with thumbs up? Of course, send me send me one. But keep that background. Send me a picture,
2: and I I will 100 percent put that on a poster because that'd be amazing. <laughs> Approved, academically certified.
1: Yes, with this like uh, the, uh, a little like sun behind me, sort of like you know, the shining. And
2: I get it. I get it. I I can work Photoshop. <laughs> That's a lie. I can't. I actually own a different <laughs> piece of software called GIMP. I've heard of that. Uh, I mean, everything in my life is the free answer to everything. So, that's, why, that's why Fenris isn't a giant wolf, but is instead the largest man I know wearing a rug. <laughs> <laughs> I even bought the rug yesterday at Dun Elm. I actually, this is a true story, I took it out of one bag that said it was £65 and put it into another bag that said it was £40. <laughs> Uh, so god elm if you're listening you know get better bags yo (laughs) because
0: people are on it (laughs) we we do not condone (laughs) nothing yeah
2: you'll have to catch me first unfortunately i advertise where i'm going to be at all times for marketing purposes (laughs) So it's pretty easy to catch me Just don't catch me before December, because I have a very important show to do. You may have heard of it.
0: But yeah. No, I think I think that's a, a wonderful look on things in a way to think about things. Because the people arguing are never those who know the most. I mean, you you find me there, so that shows the level of intellect that these people have. <laughs> but you never you know, you never find Mateus in there or pretty much any of the intellectual guests we have on this. Because they're never in these facebook groups arguing with people because they just they know themselves that pretty much nothing is certain that you know you have to take a lot of guesses and and maybe read between the lines and figure stuff out and do your best guess at, at what's what was meant by these things there's no absolutes you know that's that's one thing i've learned over the last 80 plus episodes is that there's very much we can say this is how it was or what they thought if anything it's it's a struggle mm. but that,
2: that's like that's what humans do right that's the thing we're best at of all things is putting our own perspective on stuff and then retelling it that's why we have stories and why we have myths and why we have religions and pretty much everything else is that what we're best at is contextualizing our experiences through our own perceptions and then communicating that That's pretty much the only thing
1: we do, particularly mm-hmm. well i mean and this this is why. Than. That is exactly why we need to be so fucking careful talking about the truth, you know, the fucking truth, as if it were some kind of monumental thing out there. No, when it comes to human interactions and culture and all that stuff, there's a weird, there's a lot of fucking ways in which humans can can um, uh, think about the world, and it's, you know, it's it's um, it's ridiculous this idea that uh, that there should be. One version of Odin and the Midgard serpent and all that stuff, right? This is it. Sort of ties into what you were saying
2: before we before we went live or whatever we do here. I don't, not very good at podcast things. Um, You were saying about how you got two pieces of wood, two large pieces of wood and you were going to carve them into carvings of the gods. And I asked you whether you were going to do one god on each piece or whether each piece was going to represent lots of gods. And you said, well, I mean, why should I say? What? If if you tell people what you said, because I thought it was interesting about how you weren't just going to carve Odin as being some old dude with a beard and one eye, which has been done a lot of times and ripped off a lot of times and put onto clothing a lot of times. You know, Yes. So what did you
1: say? my uh, creative idea with uh, those um, god poles is that I'll I'll combine um concepts and ideas that can be visualized in different ways um into sort of like a totem pole kind of looking thing because that's what uh the so-called undvegissulur as as they were called in the old days which actually means uh spirit way pillars um so that's pretty fucking cool. Um, cool yeah it sounds and like
2: yormungandr in a nutshell
1: exactly a and a pillar yes a exactly way <laughs> and a way <laughs> no and so and this this is this always gets me when uh you know when I read sagas translated into English, and it's like, oh, then he took his high seat pillars, and who got them overboard, and it's like, no, it's the spirit way pillars, people. It's <laughs> not a high seat pillar? Um, yeah, no, is it's, yeah, it's just unfortunate. Anyway, mad. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I, I, my, 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 my idea is to like um, basically try to and there will of course be a raven in there at some point. Um, visualize different aspects of deities. We,
2: we've talked about this on a previous episode about how everyone imagines Odin with one eye, but obviously at some point Odin had two eyes. That's how he became a one-eyed god because he had two in the first place. So you don't have to represent Odin as being one-eyed or or um, anything else. Um so just the idea that you can even, I mean, for example, in my show, like I have to represent gods in the ways that the characters and the people I have and have cast um, are like, I don't have a, a titanic giant. I don't have a one-eyed man and I don't have like a, a super burly um, red bearded dude, but those characteristics as physical characteristics seem almost irrelevant. It held the genders of the, a lot of the characters seem irrelevant at one point. Odin was a was a woman in my show because I had a fucking awesome female wrestler uh, actor and I thought she would make a badass Odin so I didn't even cross my mind that it would be weird to cast Odin as a woman. Granted there's a lot of like male stuff in the myths but for my retelling didn't freaking matter. Things have changed. She was already booked to damn her. Um and so now <laughs> now Odin is a man again, but for a while he wasn't, and Frey in this is a woman who I've just amalgamated with Freya to be one character. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm super into the idea of of running with different interpretations of the, of, of of the gods or the, the traditional characters, making monsters into humans, making um, well, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. I'm I, I dig it. I'm into it.
0: It feels like people have lost the willingness to. To allow their own interpretations of things, they say you get so many people arguing over the the little ins and outs and the nuances and the exacts, and they just forget to to read the stories. I th- I imagine most of them probably haven't even read the stories. They just regurgitating in what they the little bits that they've read here and there, or the things that they've learned from reading websites in shorthand of what Od- Odin did or what Odin had. Um, so they don't interpret the actual stories in a way that they enjoy and what they mean to them. It's just a case of they read a website that in shorthand listed that Odin had a spear. He had two wolves. He had two, ra- two ravens. And then from there on, or maybe they watched a popular person's YouTube channel and regurgitated it as fact when not everything is always fact.
2: It's because there's, people are terrified of being wrong for some reason now
1: well no it's it's also because the the idea that oh if i if i can like regurgitate some something that was said by an authority then by you know a, then i will gain some kind of authority by yeah. association you know? yeah 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 that's true and that's uh, why
2: I come on this podcast because I just listen to what you say, and then I go out into the world and I'm like, Bleh. I've got Dr. Matthias
1: Nordvig with two thumbs up. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, need to get some stickers with my face. <laughs> oh,
0: we need that really, for the podcast. Yeah, yes. that would be great. Well, yeah, we do. I'm
1: very into this new marketing idea right there.
2: Well, send me a picture this evening because I'm doing the printing of my posters and stuff to, to uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I need the double finger, and I'll try and get some. Uh,
0: you that. need the double what? <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs>
2: I've been looking at George Michael all evening, huh? Give me a break. I'm only human. George Michael in Tidy Whiteies. The only way I've ever imagined him.
0: For, for anybody who's only listening to this, uh, Mateus' background this evening is uh, George Michael in Tidy Whiteies. Thank you for saving me there, Dan. Just to <laughs> just <laughs> to <laughs> try and clear that up for a second. Uh, <laughs> okay, my last question, Mateus, before we, we wrap this up, is. So, if if say for a thousand years now we or people have thought that Odin has two ravens and has two wolves because of Snorri, at what point does that then become the truth? Even though I guess like in in the original context of what Star- Snorri was telling, he didn't have these wolves or maybe like pre-Christian people he didn't have the wolves and ravens. But now, in this existence of the past thousand years, he has had. At what point does it then become kind of, yeah, he had two ravens and two wolves, I guess.
1: You have to ask yourself: In what kind of literature does a character always wear the same outfit and carry the same items and do the same things? Marvel, Go. Marvel, exactly. Cartoons, comics, right? Batman, of course. Like he's he's like changed over time. But he looks the freaking same. He represents a a bat, right? Um, and and back in the day, it was more fashionable to have him in some kind of like um awkwardly tight bodysuit with cod piece. And then later on, we we have the Christian Bale style Batman and all that stuff with with sort of more more like cool body armor and I'm gonna kick your ass. If if we turn mythology into cartoons, and that is something that Snedir Sturluson was doing, and that is something that uh, posterity has been doing, because the people who came after Snedir Sturluson, of course, didn't believe in these gods as as gods. They didn't believe in them as in representing anything else than um, humans, right? That's how Snedir Sturluson represented them. He said, oh, these were really, they weren't gods. They were just humans because he was Christian. And the people who came after the scholars, intellectuals in the 1600s and so on, usually also um, treated them the same way. And then in the 19th century and so on, they've been treated mostly as like a curiosity of the past. And then sometime in the 19th century, um, there's enough public interest in this stuff that we see general uh, like companies and and such um, using them as brands, right? Most beer in Scandinavia is like Thor or some Viking or something else, right? And, uh, and that that's, that's because popular culture latched onto it. And then you get the production of popular stories that are drawn, right? And that's how we get comic books and, and, and cartoons. And that's how Marvel also comes into existence in what, 66, I think it is, somewhere around that time. Um, so, so these 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 um, these figures of of human imagination and creativity—they've now been like locked in probably the most boring version of human creativity, which is just like capitalistic reproduction of crap um, in you know multiple Marvel series. And if we ever get in, somebody from Marvel on uh, the podcast, I definitely didn't say that um Uh, i didn't hear it (laughs) the point is that's not necessarily how it worked back in the day right you know the idea of a god that has birds right that mm, that has been a very important significant context for somebody's uh, whole worldview and existence, right? What the birds represent, we, we don't know what they represented to these people, but maybe they represented something like soul carriers, or um, you know, your your ability to travel to other worlds, and hence also your ability to think outside of that fucking box. Isn't isn't that where
2: it has all kind of gone wrong, though? Yes, that like you said back in the day. Mythology was alive and it, it represented something that was actually happening as something you engaged with. Whereas now we're filled with, with, with people who are convinced that the mythology is important to them as a dead husk of story that they will regurgitate instead of actually engaging with it as a living, breathing representation of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to answer, like as, 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 an, as an addition to what you just said, and to answer Dan's question of at what point does it become true That Odin has freaking two wolves and two ravens, or whatever. I think the answer is never, as long as we keep mythology alive and don't let it stagnate into, like, well, I guess he had two ravens because that's just what we're allowed, no one's allowed to say otherwise. So. I guess like what I'm trying to get at is is what I'm trying to do with with my show and what you guys are trying to do with your podcast and what we're all trying to do together is is not let this shit die and just talk about history as if it's this sort of cold, dead old man sat in a chair and was like, and that was how it was. And then Mm -hmm. we all have to regurgitate that shit forever. We take those stories, we make them our own and we retell them. And we retell them on podcasts and we retell them in books and we retell them on the stage until, you know, in 200 years, people will be like, man, I never realized that Freya and Baldo were twins. And people will be like, well, they weren't in the original back then and then Snurri and Blab, it was only the great academic gamester who suggested that they were (laughs) actually related. (laughs) in his uh, mythos ragnarok you know and one day people will talk about me or you guys as being like an authority on this shit and if they actually talk to us where we're alive we'd be like nah man i'm just i'm just riffing on what i care about within these myths and the the things that inspire me Snurri would have and hated me and so would the dudes before that and the people in the future will too because we're feather rufflers um man like that's that's how i i think of it is is never does anyone get to tell me what gender odin was even like if you want to go right to the end of it i'm not even going to accept that he was a man i'm going to portray him as a woman because i don't think it matters it's just how i am because this is the generation i'm living in in the future they'll look at me and think i'm some crusty old man they even think there was such a thing as gender in the first place and that's cool that's the whole fucking point of mythology and storytelling so i think that what we're doing well here and what the people listening doing well here is we're keeping it alive for us not for the old people back then who who and all the people on Instagram and people on Facebook who decided that's how mythology was. Now we make mythology and we're doing it now and we're doing it live.
1: Exactly. No, that's 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 such a great point. Like this is exactly what uh what was happening back then. Every generation was making mythology in the moment as they were uh telling these stories, right? Uh in some some contexts, they would maintain ancient ideas and in other contexts they would change these ancient ideas. And essentially that's also what Snodas Dorterson is doing. He's fitting this stuff into his context as 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 somebody who is Christian, right? Exactly. The, yeah. So 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 it makes perfect sense. And and now um if you're not Christian, you can take it and then you can unravel it from from, from his Christian context. You don't have to like be like Fixated on a one-eyed Odin or anything like that, it doesn't.
2: Exactly. I mean, exactly like you just said. Snurri himself was adapting it from something else. So if we don't adapt it from him, his stuff, to represent what we're going through, then we've just given up on it. And you can't say you're into mythology if you just give up on it. If you just beat it in the past and be like, well, I guess that's sort of what it was. Then you're not part of this, man. And fuck off. Leave it to us who want to live and breathe it. Because that's what it was in the first place. You can't just then look back at it and be like, well, I guess that that the mythology is left to the past. Like, it's just the tippity-tappity people all over again. Just fucking do something. Do something with it. Create it. Live
0: it, man. (laughs) There we go. That's the show right there. Perfect. So let people know where they can buy tickets and where it's going to be. This is a
2: bit of the show I'm really bad at, the promotional side. Um, uh, It's it's happening uh, very appropriately at a venue called The Cockpit in London on the 4th of December. Um, tickets are super limited because we've taken out half the seats so that people can social distance. If they want to, um, the best place to find tickets is just go to my Instagram and click on the link in my bio, and um, you can you can snatch them up there. They're super cheap because I am making a terrible loss on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, if it sells out, I will lose at least a thousand pounds.
0: Have you got some merch set up ready to go?
2: Yeah, yeah. So my delightful girlfriend Melanie is is making merchandise for us. She's hand screen printing everything. Uh, not so she's not screen pretty anything that's a lie she is vinyl pressing them you, and so it's all going to be one-off and limited edition because again i hate money um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah come along it's going to be great we'll drink a beer and your instagram is just at my ed name ed gamester although it's going to be changing to thus the guild very soon but apparently that takes two weeks so it's ed gamester for the next
1: while yeah
0: <laughs> Mateus, where can people find you
1: you can still find me on Instagram. Yay! <laughs> and, of course, you should also follow the Nordic Mythology Podcast on Instagram. You should follow our Facebook group as well. well how many members are in the Facebook group now? Loads. 1,400? 1,400. And, and, Jesus. and I'm not even there. Yeah, That's awesome.
0: Obviously, if you like the show, please leave it a five-star rating and a positive review really helps people find the show. And, and like we said, we're going to be recording the Storytime episode after this, which is a bonus Patreon episode that we do every other week. Um, so you just pause on Patreon. You get the episode either in video or audio format. Jonas Lorenzen is now the narrator for the episodes where he reads He reads the saga, me, Matthias, and, and Ed for this episode. We're going to sit back and just discuss what happens. It usually ends up in hilarity. Uh, it really is a good, a good time, a good show. Um, it's definitely worth the worth the chance. Just you know, if you want to try it out, support us on Patreon for one month, you get the back catalogue of the, all the other episodes that we've done. If you don't like it, cancel your subscription, and you're only going to be charged for the one month. But it's definitely worth worth a go. There you are some some comedy gold. Jonas really does do does do the work. It's <laughs> he does a, um, an amazing job narrating. And there we go. Let's let's wrap it up. Thanks for having me on for the fourth time. You're welcome anytime.